Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Early Work, the show in which I, Reese, demand that performers come and read me the creative writing of their younger years. This week's guest is the genius, Nick Mohammed. I met Nick when I was about 19 in Edinburgh after adoring his Mr. Swallow show that year. And then I was so excited a couple of years later when he uh, invited me to perform on a charity lineup he had put together, on which I was what's known in the biz as The Weak Link. The Dud. You may have seen Nick more recently as the kit man in Ted Lasso or in his own sitcom Intelligence with David Schwimmer, no less. He's also in The Martian, for God's sake, the film The Martian with Matt Damon. The guy is absolutely smashing it. Uh, he came on to early work to talk alliterative magic tricks as I uncovered secrets of the Bradford magic circle with absolutely zero resistance. No magician integrity whatsoever. Uh, we hear an outline and a song from a pretty dark musical which used to have an insane title but now has no title but does feature a song with an insane title and a recipe to play us out um, if you think the sound effects that are in the recipe are mad then they are the actual directions in the original document of exactly what sound effects to include during the recipe performance um, he's the first person not to leave that sound effect bit at the end open to the interpretation of our producer so you know you've got to respect that here he is, the eclectic early work of Nick Mohammed. Joining me on another early work is the phenomenal Nick Mohammed. Hello, Nick. Hello, Reese. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm very well, very well. You're in your utility room. You're wearing a backwards cap. I'm wearing a backwards cap because I've got COVID hair. Um, that's not like a symptom. It's just a... Uh... <laughs> just a dreadful we've just found a vaccine mate we don't need to find out about new issues i'm gonna show you it it's actually not too bad it just it just needs a bit of a cut but um i'm actually doing some filming next week so i'm gonna try and see if i can blag a haircut (laughs) Um, an onset haircut an onset haircut well depending on what they're they're going for but i have told them that they can just cut it into whatever they like because you know it's fine. It's it's grown. It's grown out of all proportion. But yeah, so I'm wearing a backwards cap to cover that, and I'm in the utility room 
So you might hear the boiler, but that's all you'll hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there we go. Uh, there for is those a washer, there's, there's a washer dryer in there, but I, I turn it off because it would have been very nice. It would have been a bit rude if you had, <laughs> if you had gone. <laughs> yes, I'll do your podcast, Reese, but I, I mean, I do have a, a three loads to get through here. So yeah. if you don't mind. Well, I've got two kids, and so as you can see, we have got piles, piles of washing in here, sort of all nicely, up, neatly folded. It's very impressive. It's nice and neatly folded, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the, for listeners who don't know, by the way, um, Nick Mohammed is probably best known for the time in Edinburgh a number of years ago when um, he had mentioned he had some important people in his show. So me and a couple of other people, namely Mark Smith, our mutual friend, um, Johnny Sweet and Tim Key, had gone along uh, just by coincidence together to which go, show, and, which show, to go which and watch show the show. I can't, it was in the Pleasance Upstairs. Um, okay. It was a swallow show. And then as we were trying to get okay. in, you had said to, to Johnny, oh, you should come watch my show because, you know, it, it's a big day. And so uh, we were okay, like, oh, right. great, 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 yeah, yeah. We'd already, see, we'd already seen it, but loved it. We're going back. <laughs> and then we, would, we, we, were, we were trying to get in on a pass and um, this poor kid on the door of the Pleasance was like, no, you cannot come in on a pass. It's too busy or whatever. And then right. Johnny sort of pointed out, ah, he did sort of ask me to come. So if there is a space, it would be good yeah. if I could go in because I have told him I would. And this lad who worked for the Invisible Dot at the time, this this yes. this 15-year-old who was flying from the Invisible Dot, just yeah. went up to the guy in the front of the Pleasance queue and went, do you realise who you're talking to? That is Tim Key and Johnny Sweet. And then this... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And wow. this, is, this was a, a number of years ago long enough that that was not that big a deal. <laughs> <laughs> so this poor kid at the Pleasance who was just like, I don't know what that means. I don't know what you're saying to me. This was sort of pre, um, you know, the Partridge days. Yeah. Wow. wow. We did get in. We did oh, get well, in. We watched that, the show. That would have been 2012, I think. Was it all about numbers? Yes. It, you um, yeah. memorised a deck of cards. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe that was 2010, actually. So maybe. Mm. Well, either way. You got in and you saw it. Yeah, got in. I saw it, and here, yeah. Well, and then I've been asking you to do this podcast ever since. Yes. Yeah. If I had to guess what you were like at school, Nick, and I do, because it's the first format point of the show. What I've predicted is obviously big into magic. I'm assuming that's from a pretty young age, so it's difficult to tell whether that made you popular or ridiculed. But because you're mm. you're too chirpy, I think, to be disliked. Um, so when doing magic, I think you probably didn't take it that seriously if you were doing it at school. You weren't one of those kids who like got into magic and then it becomes their whole life as they start wearing like a long leather coat and acting like they're actually part of the occult and it defines them. So I think people probably yeah. really liked you doing magic. And I'm going to guess it culminated in you publicly doing a magic trick on a teacher in some sort of assembly. And that made everyone think you were some sort of god. Um, I'm going to say you're probably pretty academic, but a bit bored by it all and interested in your other hobbies like magic and the violin. Um, and you probably thrived at badminton and you were in lots of clubs and started a student <laughs> magazine or something. I reckon you had one of those backpacks with a single Velcro strap that goes across like that. And that's, at a younger yeah, age, so I think that, yeah, a diagonal diagonal strap backpack. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. when you were in, in primary school, um, I reckon you were considered some sort of guru with conkers and people would always come up to you for advice on how to toughen them up because dipping theirs in vinegar and putting them in the oven was not working. Is any of this accurate? I mean, Reese, that is uncannily accurate. I, I genuinely now want, I genuinely want to know like, how much of that is just research 
and likely you listening to mild, boring, well, boring voice on other interviews. And how much of that is your intuition? Because um, fe- I felt like I was sort of watching like a psychic or something, like a psychic show, and or you were kind of cold reading. Honestly, I, I, I'd say bang on. I'd say I'm very good on. at this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so, oh, yeah. I mean, it's cheating to know that you're into magic because you, you, I mean, you, you are. You've already talked about magic to me loads of times. Yeah, that's true. I saw you well, play a violin in the, the show that I snuck into. Ah, you see, actually, this is very Sherlock Holmes of you, isn't it? Actually, you've just taken all these things <laughs> and fed them back to me, and I'm really impressed. Well, I think the the diagonal the diagonal strap on the rucksack is a very good observation that because one of the first pieces of comedy i did when i was a student was about the different ways people hold uh, like carry their bags and carry their rucksacks it was not very good my my set but it was uh it absolutely <laughs> made the distinction between the kind of the diagonal strap and the kind of the t- you know holding it on both both shoulders and that and how that holding it on both shoulders went from being kind of geeky to actually being quite cool it sort of went sort of full circle there. yeah much cooler um, the Conkers thing, absolutely. Air in cupboards. I don't know if I, people wouldn't necessarily come to me for advice, but I definitely, I, I had opinions on it. <laughs> so if people had come to me for advice, I would have, <laughs> you know, I would have given them, I would have told them what for. Um, mm-hmm. What were the other things she said? It was all oh the magic, the magic. I mean, yeah, it's. it's I, I'm a very kind of typical kind of magic-y kid in, in that magic was like a def- like self defense really, as in it was a way of. I, and I was into it very young, like from like four or five, I started doing it. And um, uh, and yeah, it was absolutely to kind of try and impress people in the playground and to sort of not get bullied, basically. And I distinctly yeah. remember in year, like year 10 or 11, like when I remember like I was doing design technology and, and all the pretty much every single other kid who was doing design technology GCSE was like a school bully. That's <laughs> really full on. And I was like, Christ, how am I? And, and, you know, oh, no, I wasn't bullied. But I remember, like, kind of, they were tough, those lessons to get through. And I remember particularly one, just like Mr. Pike, the teacher saying, Nick, get out, you can't. And I, and I got out playing. <laughs> and, they, and, and, I, and I remember I could basically control the bully. Like, I could get the bullies to do, for, for, for like, only for 10 minutes. But it's 10 minutes of respite from them not being dicks. Well, it must be control, isn't it? You are, you are fully saying, I can tell you. You're, you're implying I can tell you what's in your brain or I can make you pick this thing. And then it's, well, it your, really, it's, it's it was, literally saying I'm better than you. <laughs> Respect it, yeah, me. It was, basically, it, it was basically that. It didn't work. Like, it didn't work in the long term <laughs> by any yeah. means. But just for that short period of time, I remember thinking, hey, this is good. This is, this is, this is a... But then it, it kind of like, it kind of ran, it, it ran, it, ran its course a little bit at school because, you know, I was in school from, like, you know, year seven through till end of sixth form so what like 11 to 18 and i remember by the time it got to and i still do actively doing magic but by the time it got to 18 like the other six ones they were just like oh just literally shut up like just give it a break like give it a rest like what's with all this? they'd seen it all like they'd seen it all yeah that's it the problem with magic is that it's amazing if you've never seen magic and once you've seen any magic that you get to an age yeah. where you're like it exists in a vacuum of age doesn't it magic really where you can where you yeah. can properly control someone because if it didn't the magicians would be the most respected people in the world because we'd all have to say well they can they can tell us what we're thinking they can control us exactly and i'd say largely the, op- the opposite is true probably but like 
you know, there's a difference between, I guess, performing to like, you know, 11 or 12, year, you know, when you're 11 or 12 and performing to 11 or 12 year olds. To them, when you're like 16 and 17, and performing to a lot of 16, and 17, who have all kind of matured at different rates, and I would say I was very immature, like when I was at school. So, um, so yeah. So, but I, you know, I still, I still love magic, and um, it definitely got me through school in lots of ways. And so, but yeah, an uncannily accurate description. I love the violin. Um, what else did you say, Reese? Did you how um how early did you start? How uh, well I said that you did a magic trick to a teacher in like an assembly, and then the whole school thought you were a god. I might have Hollywoodified this. That must be that you've you've read that because I did. Do, I remember doing a ma- like the first sort of proper like I don't know pro proper <laughs> proper stage show as if it was like <laughs> I mean it was literally in a ch- in a church hall, the church that my mum went to. Um, and I remember doing a like a like a. And like they were quite long. I think they lasted like two hours. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of com- like a lot of material, and I was like uh, eleven years old. And it was like, right, come back after the break. We're doing another hour of boring magic. And um, uh, the I remember my math teacher, Mister Clough, came, and um, he 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 sort of kept, my sister w- was at the school then. She must have been in sixth form, and I was in year seven or eight. And she told him, "Oh yeah, come and he'll uh, come to watch it because he'll 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 love that." And um and I remember seeing him coming through the door and being like, "Oh God, it's Mr. Clough. He's come to see it." And uh, and I did the trick on him where I like borrowed a fibre and burnt it, and it appeared in the lemon. And then the next maths class that we had, he um he gave out test results uh, for some maths tests that we must have done. And uh, he presented mine in like a an orange, and I had to cut it open and get the test results oh, out. He looks yes. so nice. Yes, so, I was I mean, hoping you know you'd what? say that. That is yeah, so good. They, they were like, it was such a nice school for that. Like, I was really supported. Like, all the teachers kind of like, oh yeah, great, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> it's just the the other school kids who are a bit like, yeah, all right, well, we always see what it I, now. What I love about that is you first of all describe that trick as you know the trick where you burn a fiver and present it in eleven, as if I. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to go. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, not that hack trick. <laughs> that really. Oh, gee, oh that's really so weird. Do, I don't think I. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Oh, no, that that's, that is, that's probably considered like a really basic trick to you, and to not, me, it's not, like not, what. Not necessarily basic in terms of how you might, like the method behind it, because then there are tons of methods, I guess. But but it's quite a you know it's quite an old school trick. I get. I mean, I've got. I, I'm not good on like magical history by any means but it must be probably a hundred years old it was probably done like a hundred years ago the first time so and loads of people right, have right, done right. it and they've kind of cla- it's kind of a classic of magic now you know to, to present that trick in the way that the cups and balls is kind of quite a classic of magic did the rest of the pupils in your class have the context when he presented you your um results in an orange or were they looking at that going, well, he has gone insane? I actually think, I actually don't know if there was any preamble. I think he just presented me with an orange and proceeded to cut it open in front of me and pull out some sodding wet uh, papers. I don't even know what, what score I got on that math test. Do you think that they good. thought that, do you think they thought that you'd like broken the record for the highest ever A? <laughs> and that's like here's an orange kids I just think, I just, oh yeah. you can get an A you can get a B but if you want to really succeed in life you're going to have to get a fucking orange alright did the um, performing and the willingness before manifest itself in any other capacity other than magic did you do any like plays were you in any school productions or did you just stick no, no. to trickery 
No, I I always sort of, no, I did, yeah, I, I think I wished I had, in hindsight, maybe done some kind of act, just partly because I could probably really benefit from having some kind of technical discipline in that stuff. But no, I never did it. Um, I did like one like amateur dramatics production, like an Alan Akebourne thing, um, like when I was 17 or 18. And no, that was it. And then, and then I sort of started doing a little bit more when I was a student, but not at school, not certainly not when I was, I was younger in my teenage years, it was all kind of, I think I sort of almost pigeonholed myself. Like I quite liked being, Oh, he's the, the magic guy. Like he's a magician. And so, yeah well you want that at school don't you when you're at school you want yeah definitely you need to be typecast you need everyone to go that's the magic guy he does magic he plays football he's magic she's yeah (laughs) he's fast at running he's fast she yeah yeah she can jump (laughs) higher than you would imagine she can jump really high (laughs) she can jump so high her mum's a teacher that's what we know her for Uh, yeah yeah, her mum's a teacher at the school. Um, she, um, uh, what was I going to say? I remember distinctly, and I was telling my wife this, and we found it a funny, it was just a funny memory. Just one of the cool kids at school, of which I wasn't one of them. And my wife was a, a school, a cool school kid, basically. So we always have these discussions about what our childhoods were like from the two different perspectives. And there was real one, one of the coolest moments I've ever had is when one of the cool sort of, football guys kind of came up to me and we'd just done this like I think a rugby lesson in PE and it wasn't like I you know I hated it and wasn't good at it and but I could run quite fast I think just because I was sure I guess I don't know I could run I remember one of the cool kids kind of coming up to me like the day a day later and saying I hear that you're quite fast and that was sort of it and that was sort of walked <laughs> off. And I remember thinking, that is, I'm taking that as validation, like some kind of validation. Yeah. I, but I remember doing like races on like sports day, like in year eight, where like someone, like it was literally sort of in the lane next to me. We were back there about to like, you know, call Ready, Steady, Go, or whatever. And the guy next to me going, I literally don't, to me saying, I literally don't even know why you're bothering. <laughs> he had so little faith in even getting, <laughs> making it around. And I was like, all right. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just doing. I'm just doing it. And in the end, I, I literally, I beat him. I remember I didn't win win the race, but I beat him. And I sort of went up to him. I was like, well, and he was like, don't even look at me. <laughs> it was really weird. Fantastic. Oh, I love the idea of the actual hundred meters in the Olympics. Usain Bolt just turning to people. Oh no, someone turning to Usain Bolt the first time he runs, going, "I don't know why you're bothering, I don't, mate." I just don't know why you're bothering. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why Usain Bolt famously turned around for the last like ten yards just to look back <laughs> to go, "Fuck off, mate." <laughs> <laughs> it was, I, I count myself in a very similar position as, as Usain Bolt. <laughs> I would agree. I, I've always seen you as the Usain yeah. Bolt of the comedy world. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the magic world, you know. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, it's, it's whichever you'd prefer. I mean, you are quite quick at running um i said that i've said, said that to you years ago didn't i but it's nice to re- reiterate on this podcast <laughs> nice to double check now i understand some of the work that you brought is magic related one of the things is magic related yes yes so what's that okay so here we go so this is and i won't read i won't read all of it because because you'll probably just we well, just you'll just get too bored. So this was so just to give you a little a little potted history. So I started doing magic when I was very young, when I was like four or five. But then it really and I and I would just do it, and that's all I would ever really do. And I would kind of get books on it and books from the library and learn it. And then when I was, I can't remember exactly what age. I think I was thirteen. 
I joined the junior section of the Northern Magic Circle, which was a huge deal like for me. Um, and like it meant that we would meet once a month in Bradford and basically do tricks. And then once a year, they had a convention um, in Harrogate um, in the Crown Hotel. That's where it used to be. And it was uh, like a magic convention. So it was basically they'd have like lecturers come in and talk about magic or there would be dealers there who would sell magic tricks um, and there'd be like competitions and um, there would be um, like shows basically. So, and because the juniors were a big part of the Northern Magic Circle at the time. So, uh, so this is basically um, uh, an extract from a, <laughs> I mean, it, it is so dreadful like from a trick that i came up with well not i, I didn't come up with a trick like the trick is called ring on rope and it's basically a solid metal ring in the way that you might have like linking rings um attached to a, a piece of rope which has been tied at the end and um the idea is I, i'm trying to get the ring off the rope um right so i i decided because i mean <laughs> so like there isn't really a presentation for that like you know it doesn't naturally lend itself to like an obvious presentation um or at least it didn't to me and um so i decided to write like this alliterative sort of um patter for it and that's what i'm going to read out now <laughs> reese you have to tell me do you want me to to read you my because because i know I, I, I can show you it but basically so i've got like there are notes there are little sort of like little stage notes that i've written to myself on this, which are like performance notes. I don't know if you want those. One hundred percent. Okay. Of well, course. I'll read them out where they're appropriate. So the first note to myself is the R sound and the R E sound should be emphasised even in words such as approach. The more right. and then I've written, <laughs> really then I've making written. the most of this alliteration, even just R's yeah. in the middle of words. <laughs> approach. Yeah. And then even and then and then I've written this as if it's a fact. The more comprehensible and expressive this sounds, the funnier it becomes. So that's a little note yeah. to self. There we go. Before, that, I, no, I think performing. they wrote that in his, History of Comedy Book, I think they say. Yeah, okay. So here we go. This is the first bit. Ladies and gentlemen, relax. It's ring on rope. Relax. <laughs> I mean, you. Uh, it's such a shame you didn't go with radies and rentlemen if you're going in straight with relax. <laughs> relax being number the first. Oh, I did. I was going to say, before you started, I was going to say, yeah. maybe I should guess yeah. the first R and I never would have gone for relax. <laughs> If I'd have started Radies and Rentlemen, like before I'd even started any of the literature, they'd think, what's wrong with him? He's doing some Scooby Doo thing. We don't yeah, know what's okay. happening here. Okay, okay, okay. Radies and Rentlemen. Relax, it's ring on rope, the relatively revealing, realistic approach to refined reflection. That's Ooh, the first sentence. Lovely. There you go. Remarkably, as I return or replace the ring rigidly onto the rope, it remains, and yet rotating is, and then I've got a stage note of pause, demonstrate, and look. Take up some of the rope in the left hand, as will otherwise be too long. Mm, I don't know what that means. And then I just then the word resourceful is next to it. So I think that's meant to go, and yet rotating is resourceful. I think during all that, I'm basically demonstrating how the ring can't come off the rope. And then I say, remark. Righteous resemblance to rather relic effects remain resistingly repetitive. Regrettably, due to reasonable restless requirements, the ring releases or removes itself radically, ruthlessly from the rope in a rhythmic rigmarole. And then I would pretend I was like, kind of like get, trying to get the ring off the rope. 
and it wouldn't it wouldn't happen so this was like a running gag that i would do in between tricks basically it wouldn't happen and then i would say basically a, a line when it didn't happen one of which was risotto it's a rice dish the next one was ribita and <laughs> the next one was ribita and radish revolting and the next one was oh prime time it rhymes i mean that doesn't make any sense Oh no, I mean, curveball! Rule of three. You've rule of three. Did we yeah. think you're going to do an R joke about food, and you just gone with prime? T- but I bet you would have emphasized the R in that prime time. And rhymes. rhymes. And it rhymes. Yeah, I suppose it worked. Prime time. Oh, it rhymes. Oh no, that that's. I think that was all the alliterative bit to it. But then I've got I've got a big old note here. <laughs> okay, so so these are these are like now acting notes that I wrote to myself. Keep fixed grin on the face. Finally, double take a closer look at the system and put on a confused expression. Change of expression from smile to a confused wrecked grin. Then place the system down and go straight into normal style as begin to introduce the next effect. I assume by the system I'm referring to the ring and the rope as if it is a system. Hmm. I love the I phrase mean, wrecked grin. A wrecked grin, a confused wrecked grin. I think what I really mean is grimace, but I didn't know what the word. I didn't know yeah. the word grimace. <laughs> and you could have, if you that. put grimace, if you put grimace, you could have really emphasised the R in grimace there. Grimace. I also, um, I've also got some suggestions for jokes before I even go into that. And it's um, my name's Nick Mohammed. Uh, I would call myself Nicholas at the time. My name's Nicholas Mohammed. For the sake, but for the sake of continuity and to avoid any uncertainty, I'll carry on using that throughout this whole act. <laughs> I like that. I that's a good, that's a I good joke. That quite funny. Yeah, it's a good joke. I'll be using that. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah. Oh God, this is bad. Um, my hotel. Oh yeah, because everyone was. That was the other thing about these conventions is that everyone was staying in the hotel. So you kind of couldn't. You were sort of on stage doing your thing, and then you sort of just come off stage and sort of eat, eat next to the person who's sort of been watching yeah. it. Um, I had a joke in there. It was my hotel, my hotel room number is ninety eight. Oh, sorry, no, it's um one hundred ninety eight. Oh, that's another story. Oh, that's bad, isn't it? Oh, there we come on. This is, how old were you at this? How old were you at this point? Coming up with these sweet gags? Uh, fourteen, fifteen. That is good enough as a fifteen and fourteen year old. Well, it's probably st- that's probably stolen. Oh yeah, because I've got the dates of when I was doing this. I did this at the Easter Parade Gala Show in 2001. Jesus. Richard Holmes, Richard Holmes' 50th birthday on the 7th of July, 2001. And this just says Stoke Dinner, 18th of October, 2002. <laughs> so I got quite good news. Quite got a little... Wow, Stoke Dinner. I wonder if that's um, like the football, the football team. Yeah, I've seen that big game. So um, wait, for Richard's, no... Richard, what, Richard's 50th? Holmes. Richard Holmes' 50th. And you, he booked a 15-year-old magician. Yeah, there was a lot of that going on at church. So I went, I was sort of taken to church quite a lot when I was younger. And I, I, I sort of actively enjoyed it. I, I would define myself as an atheist, very much an atheist. Um, but, but I enjoyed yeah, going no wonder. to church. You, you were cleaning up on birthday party bookings. You were making a fucking fortune. Yeah, it, it, it was that, and it was off the back of church that I definitely got my first sort of like gigs. Um, do you have any other stuff that like it similarly like has a presentation script or whatever? Yes, I do. So I love I the alliteration one. It's nice to have all the R's. I mean, did people? Would you do the? Would you do like the alliteration one at at birthday parties? 
or was this just like when you were doing no, that was, a show that was, like, st- that was stage stuff that was sort of stage stuff. so if i did birthday parties i usually did like close-up stuff um i would never I've ne- i don't think i'd ever did, did that a birthday party but um yeah i do a lot of close-up stuff um this one this next one this is carbs so this was part of the same act so i probably put the ring rope down and then got this out and um and the script for this is ladies and gentlemen but it should be it should have been ladies and gentlemen ladies and gentlemen i've got i've got to that part of the act where i do have a sudden urge to show you all a card trick <laughs> not, it's not it's not they've presented <laughs> i don't know if i presented that as a joke or not um and what i'd like to do ladies and gentlemen if it's all right with you is to borrow and yes i promise i'll give you them back two members of the audience i think i'll probably use that as swallow at some point However, the bit where I say I'm going to borrow two members of the audience, I promise I'll give you them that. However, it is vitally important, and I can't stress that enough, that the people I do wish to come on... As... <laughs> this is the first time I've read this back. I'm not laughing because I think it's funny. It's just because it's dreadful. Hang on. Let me read that back. Um, uh, I can't stress enough that the people... Oh, hang on. Where was it? However, it is vitally important, and I can't stress this enough, that the two people I do wish to come and help me to, are, in fact, here today. <laughs> <laughs> no way. That's good. I love the build-up. Okay, there was build-up there, and I thought, this okay. is going to be terrible. And yeah. it was, that's uh, good. That's funny. Okay. Otherwise, it does present us with a kind of strange problem, which I really don't feel I should go into at this stage, on this stage. It's also equally important for similar reasons that the two people aren't actually the same person. Oh god! Oh, this which, is solid. Which, this is absolutely which, which likewise solid comedy. But then the problem with it is that, and I then go in to explain why it's a problem, which likewise has its own built-in difficulty. I think I didn't like trust myself that that those jokes would land. You and didn't recently, know the jokes were finished. I didn't know. No, I didn't know anything. Um, and recently, <laughs> this is carrying on with the script. And recently, ladies and gentlemen, there has been a lot of bad press as regards magicians making use of stooges or pre-planned volunteers from the audience. And I do just want to say that I really strongly believe that I'm no exception. And so Stuart and Joe would mind just coming out and getting on with it. <laughs> 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 there, that, I must have nicked that from someone. I will have nicked that. Don't give, don't give me any credit, because I nicked that. I will have nicked well, that. Well, whoever wrote that is funny. That's very funny stuff. Um, and then, yeah, and then it's all... Then it's all sort of bore, sort of boring administrative sort of pick a card, put a card back kind of stuff. Um, that was a trick called Cards Across, where basically two members of the audience would count out ten cards, and they would kind of hold on to them. And uh, you'd then put one of the sets of ten cards into a card box, and you'd wave that above the other set of cards of ten cards, and then one at a time, a card would travel from the card box to the to the person who was holding the cards, and you kind of count them as as it was kind of happening. Let me ask you a question here. How's it done? Tell us. How's the it done? I, I'll tell you the way I did it. The way I oh, did you're actually going to, was... sorry, but you're actually going to tell what us. I, I thought part want, of but... being in the Bradford Magic Circle meant that you well, were, you know, well, you had way, well, to you... stay silent. Well, to a degree, yeah. I mean, like, but I mean, I sort of think people can just look these things up. I mean, the way I did, I mean, I just came up with my own way of doing it, which was to basically hold back three cards as I was pretending. To, as I was putting the cards in the box. I would hold back three and they went on the back of the box, but you couldn't see because the way I was holding the cards. And then as I was sort of gesturing between the two different piles of cards, I would drop the three onto the 10 in the other person's hand without them knowing. And then I would fake count 
those 13 cards to look like 10 just before going into it. And then I would fake count them to look like 11 and then 12 and then 13. And then the good thing is then they can count them and the person can take the cards out of the box and there's just seven in there. So they can do the final bit of counting. I'd have to do it. But all the counting in between I have to do because it's fake. Wow, I mean, there you go. Listeners, there you go. I mean, you've got no excuse not to become a magician now. I was planning I was planning on asking you, you saying, obviously, I'm not allowed to, t- to tell you that. And then I was going to do like a Paxman level interview with a magician where I just keep going, oh, stop avoiding it. Just tell us. Just oh, tell no. us how it's done. But it's oh, very nice. Can... No, no, no. We got the result that we wanted, which was okay. we all know how to do magic now. I just okay. I thought there'd be some resistance forgetting you are not currently a magician. You have another career. Yeah, I I think it's fine to. I think it's it's because I I sort of you know that's hardly an original method I'm sure, but like it's what I kind of came up with myself at the time, and so I just feel that that's fine to share that. Let me see if I've got anything else. Um, it, the thing is, it just says climax to ring on rope after that card's a cross routine, which is not much magic. I mean, it's literally two tricks. I think I probably got each like ten fifteen minutes out of that. Um, and then it does say after the climax to ring on rope, it just says greater gag, which is where I would say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd just like to end by saying that was a great trick, but this is a greater and then just bring out cheese greater. Um, oh yeah. I mean, perfect. I mean, that's the perfect ending to any show. Yeah. Which I'm sure was like a, a joke inside a cracker or something like that. But you know, I'd gladly end with that again if I, could, if I was allowed. <laughs> lovely way to conclude the magic section now i do believe you there's another piece of work you've brought is that correct there is now this is a musical i was going to say was i a big fan of musicals i was like pretty big fan of music not like huge 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 but i really liked les mis and i liked phantom phantom was my favorite but when i think after seeing les mis when i was probably in sixth form when i saw it i decided well me and my friend vix decided that we were going to write a musical together and I was going to write the music <clears throat> and she was going to write the the story and, and the lyrics. And so I just thought we could break this down because it is appallingly bad. And the only thing that survived from it is this. And I've actually had it laminated because I didn't want it to ever be destroyed. <laughs> but it's, but it's, the, it's the original out- outline of, of the, the musical, sort of su- summary of the story. So the, the title of the musical... You're not going to guess it, so I'll tell you. Is William brackets blind boy? That is that is, then just, <laughs> that is then that is then entirely scribbled out. I'm going to show you that that bit is just completely scribbled out, and nothing replaces it. So we, we don't know what it's called. <laughs> um, uh, um, so I can the, let the, me just say I can see yeah. why you might scribble that title out. Oh no, sure, it, it was not. It was certainly not. Completely correct. I mean, it was just not. It's not a great title, is it? Um, setting is Victorian London. Why not? Um, the cast. This is interesting. So, William, and then brackets, blind boy, twelve. So he's twelve years old, and then it just says girl, Elizabeth, and then in brackets, Lizzie. Sort <laughs> like as if um so, <laughs> and then it was writers Victoria Wood and Nick Mohammed. Um, Victoria Wood was the name of my friend, not the um the uh, brilliant comedian. I was about to say if you're sorry if you're if you're humble bragging this in this in the least subtle way of all time yeah, by yeah. going I wrote this yeah. musical my mate my mate oh, Vix yeah, she goes by yeah. Vix. By the way, it turns out it's um yeah. one of the greatest comedy stars that this country's yeah. ever seen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. Uh. So Act One 
prologue, father dies and gives mum a cross slash a brooch. As in, we couldn't decide, I think, whether it should be a cross okay. or a brooch. And then it says, will <laughs> equals a baby. And we've used a mathematical symbol for equals there because there's no way we're writing it is at that age. Um, and then scene, <laughs> scene, 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 scene one is crime and it says murder of mother and then that's scribbled out and then it just says witnessed by mother which is a huge change i mean from her point of view it's a huge change yeah wow i mean what a day for the mother that she was about to be murdered and then she just witnesses a crime so did she witness a murder i don't know it's just oh well i yes i think so (laughs) well you'll see later on but i don't i can't work out whether it if she's dead or not by this point. Because then it says, the next scene is day-to-day life. See, and I'm going to leave this bit blank. See how how the lead cannot cope without his, and then guess what word comes. But you're not um, going to get it. Relax. No, <laughs> uh, relax. I will go for how he can cope without his, I mean, mother. Well, you'd think that. It says mouth. Mouth. It says mouth. Oh, this poor lad. He's already deaf, and now he's got to cope without his mouth. But I think that that, I think I meant mother, but it does say mouth, and it says needs helping to do simplest tasks. Um. Then it says the next scene is the murder of the mother by the father of Elizabeth in a gang. So I think that that means the father of. The girl murdered the mum of William, the boy. And then the next scene just says comforted by Elizabeth, but I don't know who. Well, presumably Will, who um, formerly equaled the baby, um, but now is coping without his mouth. Now, uh, I'm a bit confused because surely we need the mother. The mother mother only just got given a um, brooch slash cross. Yes. And then she's instantly killed slash witnesses something. (laughs) I know, I know. And later on, it says, Will recognises mother by cross, which is then underlined slash brooch. So I think we were erring on going with cross Right. by that point. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's not really the kind of detail that you probably need at the outline stage. And then it just says he never Sorry, but it takes takes the cross for him to recognise his mother. I think so. I think I think because he knows by feel, I think he knows that it's her because he she wears a certain type of course. Of but he must have yeah. felt her face before. Well, I don't know. How she was killed. <laughs> Good <laughs> it's point. The, it's, the, it's the honest answer to that. Um, <laughs> it, then it just says village drab smog small local teacher police man greengrocer. But I don't know where that they're not in the cast list, so. I don't know where I don't know where these people have come from. Uh, so that's Act One. So I think all that's really happened in Act One is that the mum has died or has been killed. Um, act Two is ten years later, and William and Liz are twenty-two. It says in brackets, "fostered by vicar during teens." I don't know how you meant to show that in a, in a scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's, those, are, those are pretty hefty brackets those brackets are doing yeah, some heavy lifting yeah and then the next scene is still friends with liz which is i i think that that probably should have gone in brackets 
because I think that's, yeah. something, can, <laughs> that's something that you can presume. Whereas fostered yeah. by Vicar during teams is actually quite sort of a lot of heavy, from an exposition point of view, that's doing quite a lot of heavy lifting, isn't it? So um, next scene, she commits, I think this is, so Liz commits a crime and is going to be hanged. There's so much death in it as well. Will provides an alibi because he's sure she's innocent. Brackets, rest of family home. Oh, wow. Which seems a bit, mm, it seems a bit unfair. Wow. Um, That's a, this, wait, 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 wait. So let's clarify exactly what happened there. Yes. She, she is proven innocent. But she's believed well, to be innocent because no, she's got an yeah, alibi. He's, he's, he, yeah, he, no, he, he provides her, I'm guessing, with a false alibi mm. because he is sure she is innocent. So he doesn't know for sure, for absolute. He's, there's no factual proof that she's innocent, but he just thinks he's sure she is. Then, and, and, and as a result, the rest of the family are hung. I don't know why the rest of the family are hung. They sort of hung it on is, their yeah. behalf. <laughs> One of the quirks of the law in Victorian England, that well, if, if you approve well, it, if, if you've got an alibi, it, we'll hang your family. Well, well if you're saying it's not you. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be someone. <laughs> well, it was, de- it was definitely someone. We're not sure. Let's hang them all, apart from you. Which yeah. is weird. <laughs> it's either you go or everyone but you goes. That's the law. <laughs> yeah. This is Victorian England. Yeah. This is what Victorian London's like. Um, <laughs> finds brooch slash crotch. Oh, croak. Sorry. Jesus. Finds brooch slash cross <laughs> and realises who she is. They part. I don't know what that means. I think she that's... she stolen he... the cross? He realised, that's sure the way that they realise that her dad killed his mum, right? That's how he oh, learns very good, Reece. Yeah, this that's info. How he learns. And they, right. what's, they what's my favourite bit about that is they part is nowhere near dramatic enough for what the end of that relationship would be. Yeah, just they part. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, and bear in mind it's meant to be a musical as well. So it would be a big yeah. old dramatic sort of musical Yeah, I showdown. guess because you can't just go... Um, we've been friends for years. We were fostered by the same vicar, crucially. I was a false alibi teens. for you. But during our teens, yeah, yeah, I was a false alibi for you. We're still mm. friends. I've just found out that your dad killed my mum. You know what? Let's just go our separate right. ways, like two ships passing in the night. No, you'd go, right. I'm f- I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> I need revenge. Now she, sat, now sadly she, as a result, commits suicide. And it says brackets hung, just in case we thought that she might, um, of course. you know, to- um, in honour of her family, I guess. He, <laughs> yeah. he then then it says he comes round to make up and finds her dead. So it's a bit Romeo and Juliet. This she's holding the brooch. He's poised over her, and that's it. That's as far as we get with that. With that bit of the wow. outline. Wow. Now then, okay. very now then there's some very weird bits. So hang on, I need to find. Let me find the bit. I think I've got it on my laptop. Um, so then there was a bit of music that I wrote, which I can I can maybe play for you. At this juncture, I cannot imagine where music goes into this story. Okay, well I'll tell you the title of the song. The title of the song is "That Woman from Whom We Took Them Goblets." <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I can't Very play. I can't specific. play for you here. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play the tune. I'm just gonna sing you a tune. It goes dum da da dum da da dum 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 da da dum da da dum 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 da da dum da da dum 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 da dum dum dum. So it goes that woman from whom we took them goblets died last night with the one that saw us. We had to rectify this problem or else we'll die. That's how that went. 
So I've got a lot of information here to be doing my scoring with. We're at the point now where I've got to Excellent. score your work, Nick. And on, there's three categories I score them on. They're all out of five. The first category okay. is originality. Now, okay. you have already told me that you would sort of take magic tricks and that was the done thing in the magic world. So that does have to come into it. But <laughs> the alliteration of the R thing in a magic trick, I've never seen... David Blaine or Darren Brown yeah. suddenly just say every well, they're word. Ch- they're, they're chunking at the bit. I think. Exactly. <laughs> I well, I when, once this comes out, that. sure. Once this comes out, I yeah. will be seeing that. But I've never seen that before. Um, it was even phrases in your own stage notes to yourself, like wrecked grin, are brand new to me. I've never heard that before. Ooh. The issue with the musical is, well, the story is complicated enough and some weird yeah. shit goes on and I've never heard of it. Can't yes. imagine a musical called William Blackett, Brackett's Blind Boy. but no. So that's Quite very original. Well. But it is just a musical set in um, Victorian London. Where everyone gets hung. <laughs> Yeah, where everyone, everyone gets everyone, everyone is hanged. It's it's a, the stage notes are it's a village and it's drab, and I was like, yeah, it's a musical. So yeah. there's there's some elements to that. So I reckon I will go for. I mean, to be honest though, that song being called "That Woman from Whom We Took Them Goblets" is mm-hmm. pretty original to my mind. So given that most of the, it seems like most of the stuff that you individually put into stuff was really original mm-hmm. but then sometimes mm. they were in a world that was less original and you were sort of in the pressures of these things like maybe you know you're trying to do a musical so you're you know trying to bow to the rules of being in a musical and like magic you're just yes. going oh everyone nick stuff but everything you added was really original so i'm going to go for four out of five for oh, originality thank you thank you pure teen horniness is this is the next category and oh. uh yeah zero zero it couldn't really be less horny could it i mean (laughs) there's just magic tricks with all the r's and weirdly the r sound but the r sound is supposed to be but possibly the sexiest sound i mean we've all heard french before and yet somehow you've taken that and you've turned it into something asexual (laughs) it's Mm. impressive um and then that musical i mean jesus christ mate is there anything horny in that i mean it's just no. a horrible everyone's dead and everyone's yeah. evil just there's yeah realizing nothing... people being hanged there's a vague romantic connection between lizzie and david not lizzie and david <laughs> Liz and david elms is that it's not based on those is it i mean surely it's not their life story no um liz and um and will william um i mean they clearly got a thing going on but that's not what the musical focuses on really it's more about that cross and brooch exactly yeah unless unless cross and brooch is some sort of filthy metaphor which i don't think it is then i think horniness the horniness score has to be zero If anything, um, it's more about whether it's a cross or a brooch. Yeah. That seems to be the, big, the, the biggest dilemma of the entire musical is what, what are we going to decide? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and finally, the last score is the Mickey Mouse Club score, um, alternatively known as Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose score, which is sort of how close is it to your work now? How much potential does it show for the star I now know you to be? And uh, I've got to say, it's quite high, especially the magic stuff i've obviously right. seen you do magic stuff in character on stage and you were saying sometimes throughout that you think mr swallow has actually said some of these lines some yeah. of those lines i think whether you 
wrote them or not hold up and are funny enough so you had certainly an eye for it i mean i really like the stuff with the getting the two people out of the audience it's crucial that they're here today um and we need to make sure they're not stooges that's great that's great stuff i'm a big fan of the phrase will equals a baby and for some reason i can imagine you saying that now <laughs> so <laughs> um i don't know maybe maybe i'm giving too much credit to the past you but like you know risotto it's a rice dish that sort of the, even that sort of gag of like just forcing the alliteration halfway through is something I could imagine happening, you know, in slightly more a slightly more stylish way. Same with the greater joke. Come on, the greater joke's solid. It's an all time classic. So I'm going to go for four out of five for Mickey Mouse oh, Club score five. as well. Four Lovely out of five. Star. That's an eight. That's an eight out of fifteen. It's a pretty solid score. Hang on, so I got, did I get zero for the horniness? Yeah, and I think you're lucky to get zero, to be honest. I could have gone into minus figures for that. <laughs> Taking points away, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. It now comes to the time where I will level the playing field and read you something of my early work. Okay, um, okay. Uh, before you score mine. This is a poem uh, I found that I wrote when I was 16. The title of the poem is All I Heard Was No. Along the shattered plank we go, forget the battered sheath we know as we decline the means by which our heartbeats throw. Declare guilt among our parting show, a curtsied grin with curtains throw, and though as magic has it flow, the rigid edge lay low. Cringing though our feelings grow, and growing with each cannon's blow, each performing artist set in stone, or snow, it melts as though. The whispered temperament of so, which ties that bind the eager crow and staggers throughout moonlit glow. And all I heard was no. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> Come on, mate. It's absolute. Yes. The reason I picked it is because it had the word magic in it. I mean, it's absolute nonsense, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. I think I honestly think that's great. I love um I love I love I was waiting for the um what's it called? All I said is no, all I heard is no. All I heard is no, yeah. Yeah, I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that bit. <laughs> I mean, what's it about? Mate, I, I who knows. It's it, at times it's like because it, obviously it's called All I Heard Was No. Clearly the task in my head was just try and rhyme with no as much as possible. Um, oh, I see, yeah. I think it's, it's it, if it's called All I Heard Was No, it will be about being rejected romantically, I imagine. But then it's all about planks and crows and curtains. It's just, uh, yeah, performance it's just a nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Where, where does that come from? And then I don't know. each performing artist set in stone or snow. It melts though, or something like it, it, it melts as, as though. <laughs> I like that bit. There's a nice rhythm to it, wasn't there? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to make of that. I didn't really write much poetry when I was younger. So what have I got to judge it on? Originality. Yeah, first up, it's originality out of five. Well, it 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 it, it feels like I sort of I don't want to sort of sit on the fence, but I don't I don't want to overpraise. <laughs> I don't want to say it was rubbish. So I'm going to say three out of five for originality. I mean, it seems absolutely fine. It seems perfectly reasonable that you could come up with that as a 16 year old but um but it felt like you know you put some effort into it as well so yeah it's sort of like a solid sort of two one <laughs> 16 yeah <laughs> i'll take it i mean by comparison this was me at 16 i certainly wasn't invited to read that poem at anyone's 50th birthday party richard holmes <laughs> it's gonna be richard holmes you missed out <laughs> richard holmes mate you could have had that the sh- along oh the shattered God. plank we go <laughs> happy 50th uh next up don't is you, don't you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next up is um, pure teen horniness. 
Well, I, I, I only got that when you, now that you sort of told me about it being maybe about rejection and the, the sort of sheath thing. So I would say, hmm, well, it's probably four, isn't it? Three or four. I'm going to, yeah, no, there's, you know, there's too many words in there that dilute it, like the performance art stuff and that, which mm. just feels, and the snow melts and things. <laughs> I'd say, I, I think I'm going to go with the safe three again. Okay, I think that's fair enough. Yeah. And finally, it's Mickey Mouse Club. Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose score, sort of the potential it shows. How close is it to my work now? There's a nice conciseness to it, I think, like rhythmically. And I think you are, I always think of you as a very concise, your joke telling, I think, is very concise. I think you're very efficient with the way you use words and um, the way you kind of tag punchlines and so on. So I think... I can I can I can definitely detect you in that. But then it's not but then it's absolute nonsense. <laughs> and so I don't want to be rude and say what would it is it bad if I say, Oh god, Reese, it's just I can see you all over I mean it just oh, it reeks you of will, you. You wouldn't be the first to say out and out. Oh, there's people on this podcast who have out and out said I might yeah, as well be watching absolutely. your show from this year. That's the yeah, same. Yeah, no, 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 I can't say that. So I'm going to get back and I can see you in there. So I'm going to say about two. Perfect. Well, that means, I mean, what a perfect level playing field. We both score an eight out of 15, so we're even. So oh, That looks like I did that on purpose, but I didn't mean to. No, 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 no. I, look, as I always say on this podcast, that there's no winners, the message is we're both losers. But in this case, we actually are both losers. Normally there is one yeah. clear loser, but we are. We are both losers <laughs> for different reasons. Mine was writing about sheaths and yours was... Um, doing magic and musicals <laughs> but that brings us to the uh the final piece whatever you want to play us out with um it's up to you we will produce it up we'll put music under it sound effects whatever is appropriate okay but th- so this was so i wrote this as a as a student and so i'd sort of got i'd started to get into comedy over kind of magic and stuff but very much sort of sort of was doing like lots of different characters and you know what i've kind of learned is that actually you know you might think of yourself as a character comedian and really you can probably just do one well and that's it right but i was sort yeah. of determined to think that i could do loads and um this was a character i think sort of based on like delia smith i mean do people even know who that is who sort of, it, it was a <laughs> A quite renowned TV chef back in the mid nineties. Oh, maybe. people definitely know Delia still. People Come on, of course they do. Okay, fine, all right. But she's not really been on telly as much now. I would say it's not. So it's quite. So so at the time it was you know it was sort of a a, a kind of a spoof of one of her things, and um, I sort of read it in a kind of slightly breathy voice, which I'll I can sort of do. Um, it was called Recipe, yeah. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Home Cooking, a delightfully middle-class approach to cooking in the home, delivered in the most most effortless and fluid of non-patronising manners a speaking ever smelt. I'm Sue, and always will be. (laughs) This here, now to explain, delightfully steamy dish comes from a little-known region of Seville, and encapsulates all that Spanish food has had to say and smell in just one dish. Buenos appetite! <laughs> its aroma has been likened to that of Nightingale's song by several leading experts, and the connoisseur's advice to suck on Manuela de Zimbabwe's masterful novel, Papri's Mama Chacha, 
for a more formal introduction to this approach. Absolute nonsense. <laughs> and now, the recipe. Notwithstanding these, take two eggs and whisk until dry. Keep whisking until dry. In the meantime, <laughs> crack open two more eggs and cover with yolks. Add the lemons and do not stop until you keep going. At this point, be careful not to add too much lamb. I made this mistake twice recently and yesterday and killed 14 dogs. My oh my, what a lovely selection of well and truly mortal brunette bitches. <laughs> After this, <laughs> it's really bad. After this, preset the oven to gas mark 2 and blow it until you're hot. Stir well and make sure the oven is placed on the middle shelf. Press play and brown until gold cheese. It's now time to add my eggs. Open oven door and climb in. Gently prick those eight yams together with the sauce and not forgetting, of course, black pepper. And repeat until tired. Set the oven timer to the year 1885 and wait until dawn. Morning! That was a great recipe, and this is a greater. Oh, that's that cheese gag. It says show cheese grater. For a truly Spanish touch, so chilled and coated with knobs of boiling water for taste, I like to sprinkle the leftovers on the lawn out back, although the onomatopoeic amongst you may wish to maybe splash some slapdash ball on his zip lips. Join me next week when I'll be showing you the only true way to genuinely scull up a fish. Bye. (laughs) That is amazing. I cannot believe the greater joke makes a second appearance. That is yeah, so like exciting. Ten, that, that must easily be like 10 years apart. Like, you know, so you were right. When you said apart. when you said the greater joke the first time, you sort of said, I'm sure yeah. I've used that since. And yeah, then it's like here. It's in recipe. What I mean, everything about that, it's a, it begins with an R, the title of that project for a start. It includes <laughs> the greater joke. I mean, you're really biting off your past self. Um, there's some great bits <laughs> in there. I'm Sue. Um, whisk until dry. All the stuff about lamb. Ah, oh, it's great. It's lovely. And I, I'm i disappointed that you said you would never perform this now because I think having heard it, people would pay to see this character. <laughs> There it was, Nick Mohammed, formerly equals a baby. William Blind Boy is a good title for a musical, to be fair. Maybe they should have stuck that out. Man, I love those sound effects in that recipe. Fire engine in there, doorbells, why not? My guess about him performing a magic trick to a teacher, by the way, was not researched, I must say. That one, just a good guess. I don't know what to do with this power I have. I keep getting it right. It's utterly worthless to have the special ability to tell someone something that already happened to them. I mean, that is the opposite of magic. Do check out Intelligence, Nick's MI5 sitcom, if you haven't seen it, with David Schwimmer. It's on Sky 1, Series 1's on demand, and Series 2's out soon. Please give the podcast a review, subscribe to it, and in an absolutely ideal world, tell all the radies and rentlemen you know about it. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.